right, everybody doing good today? It's a good day, man. It's a good day. It's already been an incredible day. We've uh, had the baptism in the first service, and uh, three people give their life to Christ. That's a good day, right? It's already a great day. And uh, let me tell you a little bit about that baptism that I thought was awesome. I shared this with the, the first service. Uh, the guy that was baptized today, his name is Mike Scroggins, and, uh, and Mike came. Uh, his, his, uh, actually, he asked his sister, he goes, hey, what's a good church to visit in the area, in Prattville area? And so she said, hey, man, I'd try Journey. And he said he pulled up in the parking lot, and someone met him in his car and said, hey, man, good morning. Welcome to Journey. And he uh, walked him inside and uh, anyway, kind of handed him off to one of the greeters. They took him around. And he said, man, he said he felt God's love from the time he stepped out of his car. And it goes back to what we just finished with Empowered, people using their gifts. He comes in, he sits down, and the worship begins. And he said he literally just started weeping. And he ended up giving his life to Christ, making a profession of faith in, in Christ that day. And so I just want you guys to know when the body of Christ is using their gifts, that's what happens. I mean, God uses all of us for that, for that purpose. But uh, you're just helping people take steps towards Jesus. So we got to celebrate his baptism this morning in the, in the uh, first service. And, uh, and then next Sunday, next Sunday afternoon, we've got like 13 people that are, li- are scheduled to be baptized. So if you have not followed Christ in Believer's Baptism, that'd be a good time to get on board, right? It'd be an awesome time to go public and let everybody know that Christ lives in your heart. So it's been a great day already. And I'm excited about what uh, God is uh, going to do in this service as well. So if you're joining us online, we're glad you're here. Glad you're part of what God is doing here at Journey Church. And I'm, I'm just thankful I get to be a part of it, right? And so we're starting a new series today. Like I wanted to kind of tell you how that worked because to me that is empowered, that last series that we did. That is empowered when the church is doing those things. And so today we're starting a new series called I've Got This. And it's dealing with pride. And, you know, and, and pride is one of those things that a lot of times we go, you know, Pride can be a good thing. There are different types of pride, and we'll kind of unpack that as we move through the series. But pride, uh, the way that God addresses it, it becomes something very negative and something very uh, destructive. And uh, so we're going to kind of unpack that today, and, and actually over the next couple of weeks, we'll kind of dig through that. But so, so anyway, you know, I know a lot of guys, you know, think pride is a positive thing, and, you know, and we're going to talk about some of the different angles, and so we'll kind of unpack that. But we're going to talk about today the poison of pride. It can poison you. The poison of pride is one of those things that can kind of creep in. And, and a lot of us, you know, you may be thinking, well, you know, I'm, I'm proud of certain things. And uh, like I was, I was sharing, I had a friend of mine who uh, his son had like the, the game of all games. I mean, they're playing their arch rival and uh, they played Friday night and, uh, and uh, they ended up winning. And uh, he scored like all three touchdowns. They won 21 to 14 and then intercepted the ball in the end zone to kind of seal the, the, the game at the end to keep the other team from going into overtime. And I'm sitting there thinking, man, that's a pretty good game. But uh, I love what this, and this is a guy that had kind of invested in me when I was younger. And uh, he said, I'm more proud of my, of my uh, grandson for who he is before he ever steps across that white line. And I'm thinking, you know, that's, that's a good kind of proud, right? That's a good kind of, I'm, I'm proud of how he responded. I'm cr- proud of how he, how he uh, you know, he showed sportsmanship or I'm proud of the team for how they did. And so we can have a good kind of pride, you know, in that it's proud of things, but not to the point of where it becomes sinful. But pride can poison us in many ways. And it can poison our mind, it can poison our heart, it can poison us in a lot of ways. And, uh, and so many of you guys you know, have probably wrestled with this. And I can go ahead and tell you, all of you have. We all have. Pride is one of the most destructive things out there. And, uh, you know, there's even scripture that says pride comes before a fall. So pride sets us up for destruction. Pride sets us up for destruction. And y'all may have heard, you know, that passage, or you may have it memorized, pride comes before a fall, or a haughty spirit, you know, uh, comes before destruction. And, uh, and so you kind of, you know that. And you, and you go, you know, hey, man, 
if you get too proud, something's going to happen to bring you down a notch or two. Something's going to happen to, to kind of bring some humility back into your life. And, and so pride sets us up for destruction because it loves to set us up. Pride is, is a sin that loves to set us up. And, you know, we begin to start thinking a little bit too highly of ourselves. We start thinking we're all that in a bag of chips. and We're really not, you know, I mean, none of us are. We're all broken vessels. We're all in need of a savior. Uh, we, we all, you know, we don't, we don't bring a whole lot to the table. You know what I'm saying? And it's whenever we go, God, I, I really don't have a lot to bring to the table, but you do. And so it's what God does in us. And whenever he empowers us and whenever he fills us with his spirit, I mean, he gives us those spiritual gifts, man, we have something then, but it's all from him. Right. And it's for his glory and for his kingdom, you know? And so we've got to understand it. So pride sets us up for destruction. Proverbs 16, 18 through 20 says pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. Better to live humbly with the poor than to share plunder with the proud. And so here the scripture is pretty clear. Man, pride is not one of those things that sets you up, sets you up for destruction, sets you up for the fall. It, it messes you up. And, and so oftentimes what we do is we become prideful, we become arrogant, we become stiff-necked, which is kind of stubborn. But it says better to live humbly with the poor than to share plunder with the proud. And let me just say this. It doesn't matter if you're poor or rich. Pride's coming after you. Pride is going to be something you'll deal with. I love this. The very next verse says, those who listen to instruction will prosper, and those who trust the Lord will be joyful. All right, I would say those two things are way better than the one we just read, right? You know, hey, if, if destruction is, this is what you get, you know, pride, you get destruction. Hey, man, if you listen to the instruction of the Lord, man, you, you know, look at here, you get, you prosper, and that, that doesn't mean you become wealthy. This is not a prosperity teaching. I want you to understand that, but it means that you're going to prosper. You're going to, you're going to be walking in the step with the Lord. You're going to line up with his word. And so those who trust the Lord will be joyful. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing, you know, you're able to have joy. You can choose joy in the midst of trial, in the midst of challenge, in the midst of grief even. We can have joy knowing, you know what, man, they're with the Lord or I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm able to do this only because the, the Lord has given me strength. So whatever you're dealing with, you're able to say, you know what, this is because of, of God. I love the way the message puts it. It says, first pride, then the crash. I mean, that's just kind of cutting to the chase, right? It says, first pride, then the crash. The bigger the ego, the harder the fall. It's better to live humbly among the poor than to live it up among the rich and famous. And so that kind of sounds like what our world needs to hear. You know, first, first pride, then the crash. And I know there's plenty of you out there that are probably going, well, you know, hey, man, if they can back it up, it ain't, it's not pride. No, it's still pride in God's eyes. What you're thinking is what the world says is okay. The world says, hey, man, it's okay to brag. It's okay to be braggadocious. I mean, that's what really kind of gets the, the, the notoriety and everybody looking at you. And you say, hey, as long as you can back it up, and all that is is the flesh speaking. Because the Spirit and the Word says, hey, it's still wrong. It's still sin. And again, look at what it says in verse 20. It says, it pays to take life seriously. Things work out when you trust in God. And so whenever we, when we look at our lives and say, hey, you know, God, I want my life to matter. God, I want my life to, to be a difference. I want to be a light. And, and God, I want to honor you with how I live. And, and God, I, I don't want pride to be in there. Says uh, pride has no respecter of persons. You might say, well, you can live in a mansion, you can be the wealthiest person in the world, or you can be homeless, and you're going to battle pride. And you might think, well, how do you how do you battle pride if you're homeless? I mean, if you don't have anything, I'm just telling you, man, pride still creeps in some weird way, you know. And, and so we will battle pride. That's, that's that's how it works. And the enemy knows that, man. The enemy knows that it's such a a powerful tool. That's why he uses it the way that he does. And this is one thing we need to understand. Understand this as we move through this series. God hates pride. God hates pride. 
Not that he's okay with it, not, you know, but he hates pride. And so we look, look here in Proverbs 16, 5, it says, The Lord detests the proud, and they will surely be punished. Now, many of us know the book of Proverbs because Proverbs is a book of wisdom. It was written, written by the most wise man in the world, uh, King Solomon, right? And so some people, many people, and I would encourage you to do this, is they will read a Proverbs a day. There's 31 of them. So for each day of the month, like on the first day of the month, they read Proverbs 1. Day 2, they read you know, Proverbs 2 and so on. And so they hopefully will listen to it. They will read it. They will listen to it. They will apply that. And they'll be, they'll be literally becoming more wise because they're lining up with God's teaching, what we just read, so you're lining up with that. So therefore you will prosper. And, and, and here's the thing, you'll have joy, right? And so it talks about, it talks about wisdom in there throughout the scriptures there. And so the Lord detests the proud and they will surely be punished. Proverbs 16, 5. And we're going to drop down just a couple of verses in the same chapter. It says, there are six things that the Lord hates. God hates. No, seven things he detests. Haughty eyes. That's haughty, arrogant, prideful eyes. Haughty eyes. Uh, whenever we look con- condescendingly on people, we have this arrogance to us and this, you know, we think we're better than someone or we think we're better than, than even God even. But haughty eyes, God hates that. He detests it. A lying tongue. Who likes a liar? Nobody likes a liar, right? Uh, a lying tongue, you know, we, we, we can't stand when someone lies, but yet we will lie to cover up a lie. And so God hates a lying tongue and hands that kill the innocent. And so whenever we see someone you know, hurt the, you know, the innocent, like a child or, or maybe an old person or something like that, man, it kind of riles us up and it should, because it riles the heart of God. God hates it. We wonder why when we watch certain videos and we go, why aren't, why is nobody helping out? Why is nobody stepping in? Why is nobody doing anything? Because we become prideful and we don't want to mess up our life and we don't want to get too involved. And so we step back and we make it about us and not about what is right. And, And so again, God hates haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that that kill the innocent, a heart that plots evil, a, hot, a heart that plots evil. Hopefully you go, you know, Mike, that's not me. I hope it's not. But there are some who they literally plot evil. They constantly think of things they should be doing, you know, that, that, that will literally bring harm to people. They, they, it's all about them. If we wonder about some of the dictators that we've looked back through history and we see how they were, it was all about them and they were constantly plotting evil. And so God hates those things. He and here's another one, feet that race to do wrong. We see people that literally, you know, run in to do wrong. And we go, you know, they're, they're literally running to break the law. They're running to do whatever it might be. And we go, man, we hate that. Well, we should because God hates that. And anybody with any kind of conviction or any kind of spirit of God inside of them, they're going to hate the things that God hates. It says a false witness who pours out lies. I mean, obviously God has an issue with lying, right? And he's speaking to it here. A person who sows discord in a family. If you're, the, if you're the one who's always stirring up discord in your family, God's speaking to you right now through his word. That you want to be the one who is the peacemaker. You want to be the one that says, you know what, I want, us to, I want to bring our family together. I want there to be unity in our family. You've heard me say that over and over here in our church. You know, my prayer is that God would give us unity, that we would be unified in the mission and the vision that God has given us. That we are going forward and when we walk out of these doors, we're going out as one. And, you know, Satan loves to cause factions and division among the, the church. That's what he loves to do. And pride is one of the ways that he does that. And so we've got to be able to say, God, I want to see the sin as you see it. And so we, here's, here's what's funny. We usually do hate when we see others who are prideful. You ever been around somebody that's braggadocious and it's all about them and they want to tell you everything they've accomplished and everything they've done and all this kind of stuff? They kind of, you go, man, I can only take that person in doses, right? So, man, I can't hardly be around them for very long. 
You know, and, and wouldn't you hate to be that person that people say, you know, I can only take him or I can only take her, you know, for just a few minutes and they're like, I got to get away. I, you know, that, but we usually don't like it when we see pride in other people. It gets on our nerves, right? I mean, we, we, we see it and it just kind of leaves a bad taste in your mouth. You're like, man, I just don't like that, you know? And, and but here's what's funny. We tend to embrace it when it belongs to us, right? It's okay if it's uh, you know, what I've accomplished. You know, we, we, we tend to brag on things. And, and like I said, you know, we, we, we brag on our teams. You know, we, we, you know we, we didn't even play in the game. I mean, we act like we've done something. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's what you do in Alabama and Auburn, right? You act like you've done something. You ain't played in the game. You know, and, and so what we do is we act like we've done something. You haven't done anything. And so what we do is we, we embrace it. We kind of like pride a little bit whenever it's ours. But if it's somebody else's, we don't like it. You know, and, and what we do is, and there's nothing wrong with, you know, I love to win. I'll, I'll tell you, I, I love winning. I hate losing, hate it, you know. But the thing is, is it's just a game a lot of times. You know, coaching Little League, you know, I can remember laying in the bed trying to figure out what could I have done different to keep from losing that ball game today. And I didn't even play. I was just coaching, you know. I got a little 9 and 10-year-olds, hey, listen, you know, trying to get them to do things. And it really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things, so pride can creep in. We would win ball games. I can't even remember. You know, I didn't even remember anything about winning the ball game, but I hated losing. And, and so that becomes pride. And pride creeps in. You know, and, and it's so funny, you know, one of the ways I feel like that it gets marketed is I remember when I was coaching Little League uh, Baseball, there was, uh, you know, kids that would say, hey, we, we won the Little League World Series. And I'm like, dude, that's a big deal. You know, like the one on ESPN is what I'm thinking. And I'm like, man, you want, you want a Little League World Series? And he's like, man, we got a ring and everything. And I'm like, what? And so I'm like, well, that's impressive. And, I, you know, hey, that's good. A couple weeks later, I meet another kid. And he, hey, we want a Little League World Series. And like, hey, are you on the team with such and such? And he's like, no, we're on this team. And I'm like, how how'd y'all both win the World Series? And I meet another kid who's won the World Series. And I'm like, all right, how did everybody win the World Series? I mean, I don't understand this. And I find out everybody goes down to Panama City and they play, to, play, a, play a bunch of teams. And anyway, somebody wins that tournament and they win the World Series. And I'm like, that is not the World Series. But Panama City loves it, man, because they're raking it in. You know what I'm saying? But hey, you got a ring, right? And you walk around, hey, man, we won the World Series. And I'm like, that's not the same. Now, I don't know, you know, and I know that we live in a, a day and age where everybody has to get a ring or everybody has to get a trophy. I'm old school. I can't help it. So that drives me crazy. I remember whenever Laurie, you know, put on a birthday party one time, she said, hey, we got to do party favors. And I'm like, what the heck is that? And she goes, party favors you give all the kids that come you know they get a gift and i'm like it's our son's birthday why is, why are we giving everybody else a gift you know and i that's me i'm sitting there going that's crazy and she goes that's what everybody's doing now and i'm like that is crazy i said they're gonna have a birthday they're born you know what i'm saying i mean they're gonna have a birthday but that's how we get in this day and age hey i gotta have it's about me right and i gotta let everybody know what i got you know and so we we tend to embrace it pride when it belongs to us if it's about us something we've accomplished, our kid, whatever. Hey, it's okay, but really it's not if it's sinful pride. And like I said, there's, there's times that we can be proud of something. Like I, I was proud of our church and how they ministered to Mike. Whenever he showed up on whatever Sunday, I was proud of our church for how they ministered to him and they used their spiritual gifts. I mean, that, there, there can be a good kind of pride in Scripture. We'll talk about that. And we'll unpack that. But today, I'm just telling you, we're talking about the sinful side of pride and how do we how do we keep from going down that road because i'm just telling you it's a very effective tool by the enemy pride poisons our mind and our heart 
we buy into the lies that the enemy's feeding us. And he loves to puff us up. You know, we talk about getting puffed up with pride. It's like the enemy's going, he's just blowing you up, man. He's just filling you up with a bunch of hot air. And we just eat it up and we go, oh, yeah, he's right. And we, we listen to the lies. We listen to the enemy. You know, and it started like that in the beginning. We go to Genesis 3. It says, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, he said, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? He just kind of throws that question out there, right? A little bit of doubt. He just kind of hits you with a little bit of doubt. And all of a sudden you begin to doubt, you know, and so she's beginning to doubt. And so he's using pride. He's using it as leverage here. Of course we may eat from, uh, eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. So what she's telling, you know, the, the serpent, the enemy, Satan is, is tempting her. He, you know, he, he's taunting her. He's picking at her a little bit and saying, you know, and, and just letting her know, hey, you're not quite up to standard. You don't have all that you could have. And, and so he's using that pride thing there. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. Remember how we read scripture, how God hates, the, 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 he hates lies? This is the father of all lies. And this is the fall of man right here. He replied to the woman. Uh, so God said, God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it. And you will be what? Like God. You'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. And so what the enemy does, he loves to literally... Man, just plant just a little bit of doubt, then a little bit of pride, then a little bit of arrogance, and a little bit of ego, and a little bit of that. And all of a sudden, there's the fall. So pride comes before the fall, before destruction. And so literally, this fall, this sin has affected everybody in this room and everybody that walks this earth. And because it starts with pride. So pride was the first sin. We go back and we, we look in the, in the scripture. And some would say, well, my, my, maybe pride wasn't the first sin because Adam should have been leading and he should have been taking care of his family. He should have been guiding his family. He shouldn't have let that serpent even get close to Eve. But the Bible says he's standing right there with her. And so he did not, you know, lead like he should have. And maybe, you know, he was just being lazy. Maybe he was being lethargic. Or maybe he was being prideful and he didn't want to have to lift a hand to do anything. I don't know. But pride was the first sin that we see there. And I'll just tell you this. It's, it's going to be the last as well. Pride was man's first sin and it will be his last. And so here's the thing. It will be ongoing, the battle that we will have with pride. I've seen many a pastor, many a minister, you know, literally lose because of pride. And it's something that we will all battle. Every one of us, I have to battle. I have to crucify the flesh. Every one of us has to crucify the flesh daily. That's why the Bible says, you know what? Hey, listen, nail down those passions and those desires. Nail them to the cross of Christ. Let Jesus rule in your heart. Let Jesus rule inside of you. In other words, we've got to come to him because here's the thing. In this world, we feed the flesh so much, most of us don't find time to even get up and meet with God. You know, but we feed the flesh all the time. And man, that, that flesh is just eating it up. And more and more and more, we begin to buy into the pride of this world and what this world has to offer. And we've got to be one say, God, I don't want what the world has to offer. I want what you have for me because it is what is best. Remember what we read earlier? Man, there, there, you'll prosper and there'll be joy. But this world does not offer that. It just offers happiness and happiness is only fleeting and, and half the time, whatever you get, you think, hey, this is going to bring happiness. And it doesn't just bring more want for something else. 
So we've got to understand that pride, man, it's, it's going to be a struggle. And we all struggle with this at some level. Everybody does. It doesn't matter who you are. Most righteous person you can think of. Y'all might be thinking, my granny or my grandpa or whatever, whoever it might be, the most righteous person you know, I promise you, has struggled with pride. And sometimes even whenever we're trying to be holy and live holy lives, you know, that can creep in and you can get the self-righteous mentality, which is pride. And it's not any righteousness that we bring to the table. It's what Jesus brings to the table. We're all broken. You know, I, I love the fact that we're all just, we're all just beggars that have found food. You know, and, and we're telling other beggars where the food is at. We're just saying, hey, listen, man, we're just beggars. That's all we are. You know, I don't bring anything to the table. What I do bring, I, I bring in brokenness before the Lord and say, God, I give you my life. Here I am. Use me. So we all struggle with this sin at some level. Look at what it says in t- Psalms 10, 4. In his pride, the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts... There is no room for God. And so the wicked, prideful man, we don't, we don't have time to seek God. We don't get up and spend time in prayer. We don't get up and spend time in his word. We don't, we don't really seek God. We're seeking, you know, another dollar. We're seeking, you know, a little bit of, you know, recognition. We're seeking, you know, satisfaction. We're seeking whatever. We're not seeking God. That's what it says. And so we become prideful in what we can do, what we bring to the table. We try to function in our own strength and our own ability and what we have the ability to do rather than God, what do you have and what do you want to do in me? What do you want to do through me? So in his pride, the wicked man does not seek him. In all, in all his thoughts, there is no room for God. There's no room for God. Think about this past week. How much room did you give to God in your life? How much time did you spend you know, seeking his will and his plan for your life? Pride assaults God's throne and asserts its independence in an attempt to dislodge God as the sovereign of the universe. See, one of the things we need to be reminded all the time and maybe daily is, you know what? I'm, I'm not God and you're not either. There is one true God, the one true God. It, you know, and there's all kinds of little G-gods, right? There's all kinds of things that can creep in. They become idols in our life and we, we end up worshiping them. We give more time, energy, and effort to those things than anything else and we go, you know what, they're, they're just a little G-God, but the thing is they become the God in our life. And it can be your work, it can be your child. We live in an age and day where, man, there's as much child worship as, as there's ever been. You know, and your kid is a blessing. God has blessed you with that child, and your job is to launch that kid into life, hopefully to do the will of God. That is what we're to do. But the thing is, is oftentimes we worship the child, the creation, rather than the creator, we're no different than the people who live out west. They say, man, I worship that mountain. I worship this tree or whatever. But if we worship a child over the God of the universe, then we're idolaters just like anybody else is. And so we've got to be willing to say, God, I, I want to be focused on you. I want to know you. And I want to make your will known, God. And I, I want to make your message known to those around me, especially to my children. And so pride is satanic. There's no getting around that. It's sinful, right? It's sin, but it is satanic. Isaiah 14 talks about the fall of Satan here. It says, how you are fallen from heaven, O shining star, son of the morning. So the morning star, here's Lucifer, who was the the worship leader of heaven, you know, and and scripture talks about him here and in Ezekiel about how how, how Satan falls. And so if you're ever wondering where that's at, that's where it's at. It says, O shining star, son of the morning, you have been thrown down to the earth. You who destroyed the nations of the world. For you said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven. And set my throne above what? Above God's stars. I will preside on the mountain of the the gods far away in the north. 
I will climb to the highest heavens and be like the most high. Instead, you will be brought down to the place of the dead, down to its lowest depths. And so here we see, you know, the enemy. We see Lucifer. We see Satan. We see the devil. Whatever you want to call him, the enemy, that he had that same mentality. So if we wonder why he's so good at using pride, it's what took him down. And it's what he has battled with. And so here he is. You know, literally, he wants to be greater than God. He wants to be above the stars of God. He wants to be above all. He wants to rob God of his glory. And and you might think, Mike, I would never do that. But I'm just telling you, in subtle ways, Satan plants enough seeds that you allow that to grow in your life. And it becomes pride that is sinful, no different than where he's at. And so Lucifer became the devil when he arrogantly became infatuated with himself. And we know people like that, right? They become infatuated with themselves. They think too highly of themselves. They become arrogant and haughty and they're condescending to other people and other people aren't as good as they are. And other people, you know, they don't even want to be around certain people. If you're not in a certain socioeconomic level, they don't want to be around you. If you don't have a certain education, they don't want to be around you. If they don't want to, if you don't look a certain way, if you don't dress a certain way, or you got too many tattoos or whatever, we don't want to be around you. And all of a sudden we develop this prideful, arrogant mentality. And God says, Hey, listen, we are to minister to the least of these. And when we minister to the least of these, we're ministering to who? Jesus. And well, we've got to have that mentality, God, I want to humbly come before you. So Lucifer was infatuated with himself. It's his most effective weapon. I can't communicate that clearly enough. And everybody in this room and everybody watching online, I promise you will battle pride and Satan can use it to literally take you out of the game. He will literally do what he can to put you on the bench. And so we've got to be able to say, you know what, God, help me to understand how to deal with this. There are three forms of pride, vanity, conceit, and arrogance. And there may be others, but these are the main three that we'll hit. And I'm going to hit those next week. I'll just be honest with you. I'm not unpacking them today. But I really wanted you, I wanted you guys to understand, you know, just the, the gravity of pride. That it's not something that we're, we okay, we're okay with and not something that we justify, not something that we go, well, that's what everybody else does and we're okay with that. But we see what God's Word says and we see the impact of pride. And so hopefully today, as we walk out of here, you're going, you know what, man, I see the impact of this. And, and so we'll cover these three next week. And I've put that in there. I don't know why I put that in there, but here's the thing. I want to give you guys some hope against the attack that we all face. So I want, I want you to walk out of here with some hope today. So my prayer every Sunday is that there's somebody who walks through these doors that's looking for hope and they find it here because they find Jesus, right? There was three who put their faith in Christ for salvation today. So to me, that prayer has already been answered. That prayer has already been answered for me. And, and I, I love the fact that we are able to, to see that many people come to know Christ. I'm looking forward to the baptisms next weekend. You know, I'm, I'm looking fun, forward to a pool party, man. Just, just having fun, hanging out, getting to know people, right? But there's hope. And I hope you guys understand that. You know, you can, you can read all that scripture. You go, man, man, I am prideful i am egotistical i am you know selfish and i am you know stiff-necked and that stiff neck like i said that's stubborn that we don't want to do what god wants to do and i'm just telling you i, I can remember god dealing with me in so many different ways and me kind of going god i'm not going to do that and god says hey have you surrendered to me or are you telling me what to do type deal you know what i'm saying like i can remember whenever god was dealing with me about ministry i was like god i'm not going to get up in front of people i'm not gonna i'm not gonna do this i'm not gonna do that. and god everything that i said i wasn't gonna do that god has had me do I don't think he's doing it to kind of punish me. I think he's doing it to show me, you know what? I can do things through you you can't imagine. And, and so 
I want you guys to walk out of here with some hope today. And I, and I love what it says here in 1 Peter 5. And this is just one of the many passages where it deals with humility. But the best battle that we have for pride is to walk in humility. And so Peter, writing to the church here, he says, in the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders. And what he's talking is those who are older than you learn from them. And especially in the church, those, those of you who are young believers, new believers, you got to listen to those who have walked with Jesus that are elders and have been appointed in those positions. It says, and all of you dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And so think about that. Some of you guys, you know, maybe you maybe last night you kind of laid out what you're going to wear today. You say, hey, you know, I'm going to wear this tomorrow. And, and then maybe some of you got up this morning and you just kind of threw on whatever, you know, you're like, Hey, that'll work. And you went, they, they said, come as you are. So that's what I'm doing. Right. And then some of you got up and you tried on like four or five different things and you couldn't figure out what you wanted to wear. Right. I guess, buddy, did you get, you, you tried on four or five different things. I'm just kidding. I heard that laugh, but that's what happens. Right. But look, look at what Peter's saying there. He's Hey, listen, man, you clothe yourselves with humility. So in other words, if we're going to put thought into what we're going to wear, you know, and how, you know, how, how it looks on us, whatever, then what he's saying, hey, listen, man, let humility hang on you like nice clothing. Clothe yourselves with humility. Walk in humility. Let people see, man, that you are a servant to the Most High, that you are a servant to the King of Kings. You are a ser- servant to the Lord of Lords. Man, let people see that you walk in humility, not arrogant, not pride, not condescending, but man, that you walk in humility. That's, that's what Peter said. I mean, clothe yourself. Put on, put on the clothes of humility. I love that. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud. I don't know if you get that, but he stands in opposition to you. He stands in opposition to me whenever I walk in pride and I walk it with a proud mentality that is sinful. He opposes the proud. And I can just tell you this. Anything that opposes God's going to lose, right? Anything that opposes God's going to lose. It says, so humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. You know, we just got through that empowered series. And so it says, so, so humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. So if we have been empowered by the power of God and the spirit of God, then it says to humble ourselves to realize, you know what? We didn't bring anything to the table. <laughs> we, we didn't have anything to offer. I don't care what your education is. I don't care how talented you are. I don't care how good of an athlete you were. You really didn't bring anything to the table other than what God has blessed you with. And here's what I'm telling you, it wasn't enough. But by the power of God at work in just anybody, he says, man, I can do great things through you. I can do things that will change eternity if you'll just trust me, if you'll let me use you. It says that at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. So if we will humble ourselves, it says that God will lift us up. God will honor us. So if we will humbly come before God and say, God, here I am, I just give you what I got. God, I, I give you my life. I surrender everything. I'm asking you, God, just to use me for your purposes and for your kingdom. Then we don't have to have any accolades. We don't even have to have attaboys. And we all like attaboys, right? But he says he will honor us. He will lift us up. He will work in us and through us. He says, give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. You know, I don't, I don't know about you guys, but there are times, that, you know, we can worry about things and they can... It can rob us of sleep. It can rob us of peace. It can rob us of joy. But the Bible says that we're not to worry about things, but we're to give those to God. And if we're praying, there's no reason in worrying. But if we're worrying, there's no reason to pray. 
And so as we're letting those things go and we're giving those things to God, man, we just, we just go, God, I'm yours. I give you my life. And, and let me just tell you about something about walking in humility. This morning I got up, me and my dog Sadie went for a walk. We tried to do that in the mornings. And uh, this morning I, as I was walking, I just, I just started thanking God. You know, that's the way we're supposed to enter his courses, enter his courts with thanksgiving and praise. And I don't know when was the last time you just, you just went through a list of thanksgiving. But as we were walking, you know, I'm, I'm thanking God for everything. I'm thanking God for my wife, for my kids. I'm thanking God for my family, my friends. I'm thanking God for this church. I'm thanking God for this message. I, I've been preparing for this message for months. And this has been on my board for months that, you know, God, I, I want to I teach on pride, but God, I want your words to go forward. And so this morning, and, and I'll be honest with you, man, I wasn't feeling, you know, I wasn't really feeling it this morning, but I just, I just kept going, God, I just want to say thank you. And there's something about literally listing out what you're thankful for that begins to develop a, a heart of humility. I felt like this morning I was literally putting on the clothes of humility. God, you've blessed me. You've blessed me in so many ways. I'm thanking God for Sadie. I was like, God, thank you for Sadie. You know, thank you for my therapy dog, if you will. But I was just thanking him for everything. And whenever we do that, it, it's like putting on clothes of humility. Going, I didn't bring anything to the table. This comes from you. Thank you for my home. Thank you for my, the food on the table. God, thank you for a bed to sleep in last night. And whenever we come to God in humility, man, we have to be willing to give thanks, right? And so that's what Peter's saying. Go, man, clothe yourself with humility. Walk in that. Not in arrogance and in pride like this world teaches and, to, and mom and dads, we need to be teaching our kids, walk in humility, not walking in pride. I believe in confidence. Believe me, whenever you approach the plate or you get on that mound or, or you drop back in that pocket, man, you should be confident. But that confidence does not come from, you know, your pride. It comes from your, your practice you put in and your confidence in Christ. So give all your worries and cares to God. He cares for you. And so here's some next steps. And this one didn't change from last week. I think this is the most important one. Surrender my life to Jesus and receive salvation by faith. In what Jesus has done to redeem me. And here's, here's the reason I left it again this week. It's because that is a picture of humility. When we come to Christ, we come to him and we say, Jesus, I don't have anything to offer. And so we come in humility. You know, we, we can't say, well, I've done this or I've done that or, you know, I've got these things that I've accomplished. But we just say, God, my greatest deeds are filthy rags. The best thing that I could ever do is not enough. And I realize that. I, non I understand that. I know that. And so, Jesus, I'm coming before you, bowing before you, asking you to forgive me, asking you to wash me in your precious blood, asking you to redeem me, and just saying, God, I want to quit living the way I've been living. I want to live for you. That's repentance. So it is confession and repentance. And so what we're doing is we're coming before God. We're saying, God, I am broken. I'm a beggar, and I'm asking you to step into my life. And to take over. I give up everything. I want to be your slave. Is what you're saying. God I want to be your servant. I want to be your slave and your servant. And so that is the perfect picture of humility. Is when we come before Jesus. And we don't come here saying. Well you know Jesus. I've been, I've been going to church my whole life. Doesn't matter. You know if you've never surrendered. If you've never given your life to Christ. You've never come before him in humility. You're saying hey I've. I've gone to church, I've done this, and you're trying to get there by works. And the Bible says that we don't get there by works so that anybody can boast about it, but it's only by God's amazing grace, and it's by faith in what Jesus has done. And so, to me, this is a great picture of humility when we say, Jesus, I'm broken. 
and I need you. Here I am. I give you my life. And then the next one is like it. I choose today to walk in humility, to be clothed in humility. If we want to defeat pride, I'm just telling you that's the key. Is to walk like Jesus did. Surrender our life to him. And just say, Jesus, here I am. Use me. I want to ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes. Maybe for somebody in the room or maybe somebody watching online, you realize, you know what, man, I have never come before God in brokenness and true humility and asked Jesus to save me. But today could be that day for you. If you're watching online or you're here in the room, and you go, Mike, that's what I need to do. I am a prideful person. But today I realize pride will not get me where I want to be. But humility and grace and faith will. And so right where you're at, just say, Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. Jesus, I believe that you, you left heaven. That was a picture of humility. You came here. You went to a cross and you bled out your precious blood. You died on that cross for my sins and the sins of the world. Jesus, you were laid in a borrowed tomb. You were resurrected by the power and the Spirit of God. And you offered to me eternal life that I receive by faith. And so if you just prayed that prayer, if you're here in the room, you just prayed that prayer. If you don't mind, just raise your hand and say, Mike, I just prayed that prayer to receive Christ. I asked Jesus to come into my life to save me. I want to quit living the way I've been living. That's repentance. And so I'm turning to him. Anybody, just raise your hand as high. I may not see your hand. I may not see your hand. God sees your heart. Maybe you're online and you, you just prayed that prayer. We want to know. You can text your decision. Just text my decision to uh, 94,000. We will follow up with you. We'd love to be able to put a Bible in your hand. We'd love to help you with the next steps. I'd love to see you go through the waters of baptism next week. Uh, you're talking about a party. We're going to have a party with that many people getting baptized, right? It's going to be good. But I believe there's some of you in this room that be, you've been living in sin. And God's calling you to humility right now. He's calling you to brokenness. To crucify the flesh. To lay it down. And to just surrender and say, Jesus, here I am. I'll give you my life. There are plenty of Christians in this room that are full of pride. So maybe today, for the first time in a long time, you don't let pride win and you walk down and you get on your knees and humble yourself before a holy God and say, God, here I am. Use me for your purposes and for your kingdom. I'm your servant. I want to ask everybody just to stand. You respond as the Holy Spirit. The worship team is going to lead us. The prayer team will be here at the front. Just everybody stand. Father, I thank you for meeting with us today. God, I thank you for the opportunity to respond to what you say to us today. Right now. So God, fill this place with your, your spirit, your presence, your power. Draw us close. Breathe your life into us. And God, use this for your purposes and for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.